Uh, Happy New Year to all of you. If you didn't get our notification we sent out on the weekends, uh, we want to wish you a happy, happy 2021. And like Pastor Sean said, 2021, we're going to be in the Word. We have always been there as a church. That is not changing. We're going to continue to be in the Scriptures and how that should shape our lives. So wherever you are joining us in this room or online, get out your scriptures. We'll be looking at a couple of things today. Why is this book reliable? Why is it authentic? Why is there credibility to this book we call the Bible? But what is the big story? What is the meta-narrative of the Bible? Is it different stories in one book? We'll, We'll talk about that. But also we'll talk about those who have gone before us that you and I, we're going to be reading the Bible in English in a few minutes' time, but I can tell you right now we're actually having the service in different languages. This is actually a language going on here. I had to do my perspective research on this is a language that is spoken over here. Thank you. And they've been doing this since I've been here 20 or more years. That's a language. But how did this Bible get to us that we're going to be reading in English? That's the origin. But also, why should I read the Bible and what will it do for me? The transformation, the change that will take place in my life. So that's why these two weeks we're just looking at one story, one scripture, one savior. And all of those, you will see how they come together in the Bible. So let's, let's go back a little bit and talk about the, the Bible was not all together as you and I have it today. We didn't have an Old Testament, a New Testament. It wasn't written that, and that came later. But there is a one theme that runs throughout the Bible, and that theme is we're going to see some of our team members help us put this together. You know, we work as a team, whether it's from the worship team, the technical team, and audio team. But somebody, uh, Jeff Lang, put this together for us to be able to see some of the stuff some of us have studied that there's one theme in the Bible. It starts with creation. I hope all of us know this basic story that God created in Genesis chapter 1 and 2, and that's what we read about creation. And God in his love who gave the beauty for us to enjoy and be fruitful and multiply. He actually said that in Genesis 1 and 2 are the same story. But God wanted us to get hold of all his creation. But it didn't happen. We get to chapter 3, and that's what we call the fall. The fall is basically mankind disobeyed God. We fell in sin, and we were separated. Sin separates us from God. And there was a division between a holy God who created us and mankind who had disobeyed. And that is what we call the fall. But God in his goodness and his greatness and in his mercy did not leave us there. Right where the fall took place in Genesis chapter 3, you come to Genesis chapter 3 verse 15, God gave a promise. And the promise that he will redeem us. So when we talk about redemption, it's God getting us back to where he wanted us to be. You know, in the garden and the promise of blessing, God said, I will redeem you. I'll bring you back to myself. And he said that, you know, Adam and Eve, you've seen, you've disobeyed, and we all suffer that consequence, but I am going to bring one that will come from this woman that we get victory over Satan. So Satan is a defeated foe, and that's what we see in the redemption. So throughout the Bible, when you read all those stories, whether you go to Exodus and 
all the way to the end is one story of redemption. We just celebrated Advent a couple of weeks ago where we were talking about his coming, that Jesus Christ came. We call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sin. Emmanuel, God with us. So God in his goodness and his greatness has brought mankind back to us. And that is the story of Jesus. Like Pastor Sean said, we're going to go and also remind us at Easter, he came to die, but he also came to live. And those who follow him, those of us who follow him, we will die to the old, but we will live forever because Jesus Christ lives. And one day he's going to restore everything to himself. The restoration takes place when you trust Jesus as your savior. And once you know him, you say, Jesus, I trust you, and I go from death to life. Restoration has begun. But in, in Revelation chapter 21 and 22, all things are going to be made new. So that is the big story of the Bible. If you read one story throughout, Jesus is in every story of the Bible. In every book, in every chapter, we'll see some of that next week. In every book of the Bible, you could get the story of Jesus and you will see the creation, the fall, redemption, and the restoration. So the stories that were written in the Bible were different people writing their encounter with God. Moses wrote the first five books and others continue to write. Isaiah wrote, that's also was talking about the redemption. Isaiah, Daniel, Jeremiah, you can read all of that. And then in the New Testament, after the death of Jesus, we also see that people who have encountered Jesus started to write the story. Matthew wrote about his encounter with Jesus for the Jewish people. Mark and Dr. Luke wrote because he was a medical doctor who really dug into research. And so he wrote the book of Luke, and he also wrote the book, The Acts of the Apostles. So all of these were different books that finally came together that were in Hebrew, Aramaic, and also Greek at that time. So that was what we, they had in that beginning. When they combined it together, they call it the canon of scripture, that all these 66 books, 40 people put together, and it was the Bible that was given to us. But do you know that in a few minutes we'll be reading in English? It was not always in English. And so the church at that time, the authorities, the government in, in England, the Holy Roman Empire, they only had it in Latin. How many of you read Latin here? I know those who go to Geneva and those other schools, they can. They have been studying Latin. But it was written in Latin, so only the priests and those people who have those jobs at that time would tell the people what they want to, to hear. So here are two people, and I'll give a third one, who gave their lives so that you and I have this scripture in English today. John Wycliffe was in England, and John Wycliffe was so committed to God that he started to translate the Bible. He was writing it out. And as John Wycliffe was writing it out and he was giving out to people to read, they didn't like that. The church, the high church at that time, and the people in the government did not like that, and so John Wycliffe was really thrown out of his country, but he wrote that and he kept it. People hated John Wycliffe so much that when he died and they buried him, and they wanted all his, his work to be contraband, you know, we don't like this book. And they buried the man, they hated him, they, they dug him out, exhumed his body, and actually burnt him, and then they threw his ashes away. But the word of God did not stop with John Wycliffe. And so another man who took her from John Wycliffe was 
William Tyndale. William Tyndale also wanted to continue the work of Wycliffe, and William Tyndale was in England. He had to travel around because he was carrying this book so that nobody could destroy it. And his goal was what was now in English should be printed and given out to the people. And so uh, Tyndale, the first New Testament was in Gutenberg in Germany where he printed it out. What we have today was in that language of that time by the work of William Tyndale, the first uh, New Testament that was in English. And so from that time, every other language, people started now to read the Bible and to translate it and to get it in different language. And one of the most common one that we can, I can tell you about was another young man at the age of 21. You young people in our rooms here, you have a great potential. That's why we're so excited when you're part of the church. This young man got the Bible in Spanish. He could read it. It went down to South American country. And his name was William Cameron Townsend. And he went there and he's telling the, the, the natives, the people that this is the book that will give you life. And as Townsend was doing this, he came across a, a group of people who said, me not speak Spanish. Huh. Well, we thought you had the book of life. So the people challenged William Townsend and said, if your God is so powerful, if your God, this book you are talking about, let the God speak our language. So Townsend came back to the United States and in collaboration with many others, they started what they called the Summer Institute of Linguistics, somewhere based in Texas, around the United States. And that's when Townsend, um, Cameron Townsend, started what we call Wycliffe Bible Translators. And weekly Bible translators, their job has been to get this Bible in the language. There are over 7,000 spoken languages in the world. By the grace of God, we have 3,000 of those. They have a form of the Bible, the whole Bible, and some portions of the scripture. And if you really want to have an experience, uh, Wycliffe Bible Translator, they're just right there by the airport. You could visit and go through the Discovery Center and be able to see what it cost people, their lives, that this book is reliable, is trustworthy, nothing will change it because it changes our lives. So that's the way we've got the scripture. But what I want us to, to look at, even though the scripture, Paul, we're going to be looking at 2 Timothy chapter 3. I invite you to open your Bibles to that. That Paul is going to be talking to Timothy about this scripture. We'll read the scripture and then we'll give a little bit of context and background why Paul is talking to this young man. So in respect for the scriptures, will you please stand with me as we read? Please stand, we read in 2 Timothy chapter 3. Uh, we read from my Bible here and please follow me, verse 14 to the end. But as for you, continue in what you've learned and have become convinced of because you know those from whom you have learned it, and how from infancy you have known the Holy Scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. All Scripture is God's breath and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness, so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. Holy Spirit, take your word now and speak to us so that, Father, we will experience the transformation this book brings. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Please be seated. 
See, Paul, Paul is writing to the young man he had disciple called Timothy. Timothy was a pastor in the church in Ephesus in Asia Minor at that time. He's the pastor of his church, but he, was, he had been discipled by Paul. Paul took him along in Acts chapter 16, was where Paul had met Timothy, and then as he shared the gospel on his missionary journey, this young man came to Christ and he raised him up, and now he's a pastor in a church. But he's facing very difficult times. People are not believing the truth. Everybody had their own teaching, you know, false doctrines. People were turning away from God. And all of these were going, you know, the moral life. There was no godliness. So Paul decided that he's going to write to Timothy how to follow God, what is a life of godliness, how to go against false teaching, and how to be able to instruct your congregation. So that's what we're coming to here in First and Second Timothy, great teaching about things that are relevant today. It was not just in that time that Paul wrote to Timothy. We are facing the same things today. So here are a couple of things that we want to draw out from this scripture. Now, what did Paul say? So we look at the first part of the verse. We'll go back to verse, but as for you, Timothy, continue what you've learned and have become convincers because you know from... You know those from whom you've learned it. Paul is reminding Timothy, say, I know you know the Bible. He didn't have what we have today. He had what they called the Old Testament at that time. Many of the Jewish and all the families, those who follow God, they will read and they will teach their children at home and everywhere they go. So we see this young man was taught at home. How do we know from those whom you've learned it? Because we read in the same chapter there, in 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 5, I remind you of your sincere faith, which first lived in your grandmother, Lois, and your mother, Eunice, and I'm persuaded now lives in you. So Paul was very sure. Paul said, hey, I know that at home. Your grandma uh, and, your gra and your mother have been teaching you the scriptures. And because he said, that is what from infancy you've known the Holy Scriptures which are able to make you wise unto salvation. So even though Paul met um, Timothy at, during the, his missionary journey, it was what was already built with him as a young person. And now he knew Christ. And now he's a pastor. There's a lot for us here to think about today. What is the central teaching in our homes? Is the Bible, the scripture, now we have it all together we have it in English and many versions of English that we can read the Bible. Is that a central teaching in our home? Mothers, fathers, grandmothers, uncles, aunts, all of us, can we endeavor to know that? We, so many people know other great stories they can tell. You know, they can tell you all about fiction stories or you name it. You know some of those stories that we live here in Central Florida we know about. But for Timothy, it was the scripture that changes life. This is what his mother and grandmother did because it brought him salvation. So Paul said, let's get this right. The Bible changed your life. But this is what I want you to do now as a pastor. So I want us to look at four things that Paul says in this passage that this Bible does. We want to see where did this originate for and what will it do for us? What will it do for you and I today? in this 21st century. And here are a couple of things we see in, in verse 16. First, Paul makes it clear. He said, all scripture. You know, you don't need to, to study the Greek to know all. All means? 
Oh, that's it. All scripture, this whole Bible, is God-breathed. That means God is the, is the divine author. God is the one behind the scripture that was written. There are 66 books in the Bible, and there were 40 authors who wrote it. Paul is making it clear to Timothy and to us today that God breathed. God breathed out the word. God used fishermen. God used farmers. God used doctors, just common people, to be able to speak to them as they write. Because we read in 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 19, it says, it was the Holy Scripture that breathed into them. The God who was in creation still breathed truths to the people who wrote it. So all scripture is from God. We should never doubt. There's no error in the Bible, but people did bad things that we read in the Bible. There's no contradiction in the Bible. It is the holy word of God, and we should read it. So the things that Paul is still telling Timothy, the reason why you should read it, and this is the first one. It is profitable. It is useful for teaching. Because of the false teaching that was going on with, with, with Timothy, Paul is telling him, this is what you need to get into the hands of everyone to learn. They need to be able to read God's words and hear God's word. And that's what we do here at our church and from, from the children's ministry. My wife and I were thankful that she was a teacher in the Sunday school. Our kids went through. If the kids are here from first to fifth grade, they go through the Bible at their own level three times because they go through it, it's the word, it's the call it the worship, the word, and the way. They will go through it. But as we saw that, because the word will never return void. When God's word goes out, it's going to get to all the people that God wants it. So let's teach the Bible. There are many forms of teaching today. Today, it's not like the time of Wycliffe and Townsend. We have multiple resources. I'm going to give you some instructions before we go. How can I get hold of these resources? to study the Bible. So first, he said, um, it's good for teaching. Teaching us all the things we need to live for all ages. Second, for reproof and rebuking. The Bible will get into our face. It is like a mirror. You know, we all stand before the mirror before most of the ladies, you know, a wife and two daughters. I saw them all the time in the mirror, you know, just putting things together. The Bible does that. It will rebuke us, it will show us where we've gone wrong, our errors in our ways, what is not right for our lives. Only the Bible can tell us what to change. Only the Bible can tell us what are the choices that we'll make. So for teaching, for rebuking and correcting, the Bible is the book that we align our lives together. If we are spending time, whether we're in the Old or New Testament, we're gonna be spending some time in that. The Bible will show us how to align our lives how we should study to show ourselves approved unto God, a workman that does not need to be ashamed. So how are we doing with the teaching? Are we getting solid and sound teaching? Are we looking to the Bible to rebuke our lives, to be in our faith? Every issue you face in, in, in business, in finance, in medical, in teaching, the Bible has an answer for that. You will address a story that will show us what the Bible says about it. And then the fourth one it says here is for training in righteousness. When you come to Christ, only the Bible is going to instruct us how to live. If you want to grow in the faith, if you want to be mature, if you want to be a Christian that you will stand the storms of life, against all odds, that's why we're starting with the Bible, is to go to the scripture. The training in righteousness will put us on the path. 
It's like getting into sports. You're going to run or you play basketball, football. You get to be trained in that sport and to be able to do it well. The Bible does that for our lives. So our challenge in this 2021 is the things we're going to be facing, the challenges that we're going to be going through, let the Bible be where I'm getting my teaching, my rebuke, my reproof, my correction, and training how to live. Many Christians don't grow deeper and wider in Christ because this book is just secondary. I read it when, or I come to church. If this is the only place you're going to be getting this, it's going to be hard to grow because we're going to tell you about tools and resources that you have to dig and go deeper and connect with other people in reading the word. Why, verse 17 tells us, why is this book the book that brings transformation, application, and change in our lives? Verse 17, so that, every time you see so that, find out why it is there. So that the man of God will be a woman of God, the servant of God, may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. What are you facing right now that you need instructions, guidance from other believers? What are you facing right now that you need to be looking at? Okay, does the Bible have something for me about that? Yes, it does. But if you don't read it, if you don't hear it, if you don't meditate upon it, if you don't memorize it, and if it will not come out of your life. God's word, God has given us the book. Many of us have more than one Bible in our, in our shelves and all of that. But I grew up in my own personal life. I grew up back in Sierra Leone, West Africa. Mom and dad were very involved in the church. We read the Bible at home. We memorized it. And we had to go through catechism class. I had this pastor. You know, uh, those of us who, those of you who do student ministry, Pastor Rob, thank you. I was a young person who went to church and prayed at home, but I wasn't reading the Bible. But this pastor would visit me all the time. You know, how can you visit a high school student on Friday night? You know, but he was so consistent, wanting me to read the Bible and to pray. And until Sunday, as I was growing up, I went to a youth meeting, it was a Youth for Christ rally. The Bible was clearly preached. I saw it as a mirror that my sin, if I die, I will go to hell. I needed to trust Jesus Christ. I prayed that night and trusted Jesus. And I still remember, some of us have a date and time. It was the 15th of November, 1975. I went home and I shared that with my cousin who had taken me to this youth meeting, the young people's meeting. So I've just received Jesus Christ. So a Christian is a follower, is a disciple of Jesus Christ. And I spent most of that time being discipled by the missionary who preached at that youth meeting to understand how to read the Bible, how to pray, how to be in fellowship, and how to witness. The Bible changes your lives. And all throughout the struggles, the challenges of you know, living in different countries and trying to do ministry, this book has saved my life. I'll tell you a story that I haven't told all the service. We are fleeing from war in Liberia, and we've been carrying a New Testament. The, the soldiers gathered me and my two daughters and the other guy and his sons, and they were really going to shoot and kill us. I mean, the guns were this close, standing there. And the guy said, so, well, I've lived in this country for eight years. You just can't kill me. I was at a Bible college. I worked there. I've studied overseas. I've come back. And then at that moment, he's looking through our luggage, and he saw a New Testament, you know, the small Bible that they give to nurses and those people, and said, can I take this book? 
My goodness, I did not waste my time to tell this, just what I told. This book would save your life and this book would do everything. Three weeks later, I met that young man in the war and he said, this book has changed my life. Are you going to be somebody the Bible would change your life? So we talk about one story, one scripture, one savior. There's, uh, there's something for all of us here. Maybe 2021, you want to make a commitment to read the Bible. So I'm going to be offering a prayer for all of us. If you want to say, God, I want to be in your word. Because it's been 2020, we can now see clearly in 2021. I want to be reading the Bible. So we're going to say a prayer for you. Or maybe you don't know the Savior. You've been, you know Bible stories. You've heard about it. But this may be your day and say, God, you love me so much. You sent me your love letter. Can I know you more? Can I see you in this book? So I'm going to be praying a prayer for you if you want to trust Jesus as your Savior. Some of you, you're struggling. You're skeptic about it. That's okay. We'll offer a prayer for you. But we really want to say, God, meet me where I am and walk with me because your word is the right teaching. So wherever it's going to be your prayer, let me just, let's just take a moment to bow and I pray and lead us in a prayer so that you can say, God, I want to trust you. I want to follow you for my life. Let us pray together. Father, your word is powerful. Your word tells us we are sinners and we are fallen from grace. Father, there's somebody here in this room or in the rooms and anybody on the, under the sound of my voice we realize I am a sinner but you loved me and father if I forgive myself and you will forgive me because of your love and I receive you as my savior father will you do that for anyone now in any way father they are praying that prayer father some of us we struggle to read our bible and pray every day Father, may 2020 be a time that we will come to you and say, this is the word of life. We will long and desire this Bible. Father, I pray you will give us that zeal to be able to read the word. Father, those who doubt and are confused and Father, there's anger, there's hatred to the church, wherever they are, Father, may you hear their prayers and we pray for them that, Father, they will come to you the firm foundation, the cornerstone that we can stand upon. Thank you for hearing these prayers, and to you be the glory. Amen.